Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fraud Boxer Podcast. I have uh, three people on here today that we're going to be having a long discussion about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. We're going to be talking about recruiting today. And as a lot of people saw, I sourced some folks on the wonderful world of LinkedIn, which is everything to us. But I have three wonderful guests that we have whittled it down to that have been generous enough with their time. So I have Meg Hanna, Doug Rubenstein, and Audrey Watkins. So how is everybody doing today? So far, so good. Excellent. Friday. It's exciting. <laughs> it is. It is a, a good day. I usually do half days on Fridays, so um, I have that luxury. So um, <laughs> hope you hope you guys get something like that, too. If not, you know, I hope you don't got too many hard calls today. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like how I met you guys. Um, let's start with you, Meg. Um, how did I meet you? <laughs> I was referred to someone to you uh, from a post that you had made on LinkedIn. Excellent. I do like to hear that my posts work. And then Doug, how about you? I think I reached out to you actually. <laughs> you know, no, I guess the same because um, you told me that uh, a friend of mine from actually middle school and then college um, had referred uh me to you um then you reached out and uh, you know so i trust her so i okay. by osmosis and transitive property i guess i can trust you too <laughs> excellent i appreciate that in middle school and then college huh so that's that's it was it planned like did you guys stay in touch in the middle part there or did no, no she's a couple years older than me um it just so happened that we went to middle school together and then uh when i went to visit the school i was like oh hi sarah you know so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great that's super great uh, and Audrey, how do I know you? <laughs> Unfortunately, we go way back. Just kidding. No, um, we have mutual friends and uh, we just so happen to be kind of in the same space and have a lot of the same interests. And so we've been staying connected just in terms of our careers. Uh, and then you reached out and said, I should do this. And I was very unsure, but you made me feel comfortable about yeah, it. So. <laughs> see, that, that's what I do, you know. Uh, so you guys are all recruiters at your company. So if you could each kind of go through how you got into recruiting, um, and we'll start with you, Meg, and then we'll go Doug, and then we'll go Audrey. How you got into recruiting, and then the company that you're at now, if you could. Sure. So I was a bartender, um, and I had applied on LinkedIn for you know a entry level recruiter role. And a year later, they called, and then I was recruited out two years later by Tech, who is my current company. Um, and so, and now here we are. <laughs> Excellent. And then Doug, how about you? How'd you get into to recruiting? My my journey started in finance. So I I was in finance for years. I, I was on the track to be in upper management. Um, but I hated my life. And so, you know, so I went to my HR business partner and I was like, listen, like I, I hate it here. I, I and I don't like it any other place either. I don't want to be in this line of work anymore. What can I do? Uh at the time I was with JP Morgan. Um, and they were starting advancing black leaders and he said, and he got me an interview with them. They wanted me to do the same thing with, with that team that I was doing at the time. So I said, well, I don't want to do that. Um, so I went back to him. I said, listen, thank you for getting me that interview. But I, I guess, you know, I just had to figure out myself. And he said, listen, not to be selfish, um, but I'm about to take over the recruiting arm of the commercial bank. Do you want to work for me? So, um, so boom, so I had I had a sponsor there. So he basically said, if you make my reports look really nice, like you did for, for that team, um, in six months, I will make you a recruiter. And I have not turned back since then. Um, so I've been at a couple companies since. I, I've moved over to PayPal. I went to this startup called Rippling. Um, and now I'm at a bank called Manufacturers Bank, which also has 
a startup uh, digital bank called Genius Bank. So um, that's where I'm at now. I was actually just going to ask you if it's one of the online meta banks or if it's a brick and mortar bank. So good to yep. know. So both. I get, I get a little bit of both. <laughs> Excellent. And I think we'll kind of talk about that. And then Audrey, what about you? Uh, I've been in retail for about 10 plus years, started in stores, kind of grew my way up and then moved to a really small e-commerce brick and mortar store uh, that I did a lot of their marketing, if you will. Mind you, it was a very small company, but I had a a trusted friend who was also a mentor to me who you know got me my first job and she actually moved to Hot Topic, which is where I'm currently at. So I started in Boxland Stores, which is a new entity within the Hot Topic brand. Uh, first assistant manager for that. That's store. like and Funko then, Pops and stuff, right? Is the box lunch is more the collectibles side, right? Uh, think of it like Hot Topics older sister. Everything is a lot more elevated. Uh, the assortment is definitely different. I think a lot of us think of Hot Topic as, you know, we were really into it when we were younger, but a lot of us, you know, don't really grow out of those obsessions. So we've come up with products that makes more sense. It's not just like a graphic t shirt, it's a button down that you can wear to work and it makes sense. Uh, but Behind it is uh, the philanthropy effort, which is really huge. And I know I'm kind of going off topic, but I am really passionate about philanthropy, which is kind of what got me into that organization. And my former mentor, she actually was promoted and she said, hey, my job opened up if you want to apply for it. And I did. And I have been absolutely obsessed with what I do. Similar to you, Jordan, I love to talk. And <laughs> I love to talk to people who are just as passionate. And within what I do at Hot Topic, we, we kind of just crave passionate people, which has made my job really fun. You know, as a um, still enjoying emo music person who went on the Thank emo you. cruise last year, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I spent a lot of money and a lot of time in Hot Topics in, in, in my years, my 23 years of being a, an emo. <laughs> um, real quick, before we jump in, what's uh, what, what, what do you guys each do for fun? You know, because I don't want this to be a super dry conversation. So what does everybody do for fun? Everybody just, whoever wants to dive in first, go for it. <laughs> I'll go. So depending on season, uh, I'm a triathlete uh, during three oh. quarters of the year. Um, I'm a snowboarder in the summer, and, or in the winter rather, and in uh, the rest of the year, I mountain bike too. Wow. Where, where, where do you live? Where are you located? I live in northern Delaware, suburban Philadelphia. Okay. Wow. That's uh, that's a lot more. I, I do not activity just like that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Doug? Yeah. <laughs> um, so listen, I I'm married and I have two kids. So I um I chase them around a bunch. They bring a lot of joy. But I I'm I'm a former college athlete, so I played basketball in college and I still I don't know if you want to call it play basketball, but at least I try. Um and uh, you know, so I'll do that. And uh listen, I'd love to travel. Um yeah. my money goes towards that. I want to see the world, I want to see every aspect of it, and I want to make friends um in each place that 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 I travel as well. So that's that's good. Audrey, I bet you that resonates with you. What about you, though? Yeah, definitely, Doug. I also love to travel. I recently started experimenting with solo travel, which is definitely not for everyone, but it is open up my horizons. Uh, concerts, which is very on brand for me working for Hot Topicking, but it, it's because I really do love shows. At, I think I have like maybe 15 lined up for this year, which I'm starting to run out of money. So I need to look at <laughs> things to be obsessed with. And I guess something not too interesting, but I love TV shows. I am an absolute junkie for the trash television, and I don't oh, care. No. Jersey Shore. I can quote every single one. Oh, I know no. it's not impressive, but got to be real. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well. Thank you guys each for sharing a little piece of yourself. I'm sure that some of those things will come up in some of the conversations we're about to have. But let's talk about recruiting. So, 
recruiting is a interesting word in a time like it is right now. We had we just went through the great resignation. We're going through this quiet quitting, and now what people are talking about loud quitting. I, I see all these buzzwords on LinkedIn. Every everybody's trying to to scare everybody into something. But recruiting is not HR, right or wrong, because <laughs> it's different, right? The way that I like to describe it is it's operation. It's the operations arm of HR. So we we kind of make it happen and grow um because we we probably deal with finance a lot more we deal with every single aspect of whatever organization we're in because you never know who you're going to recruit for um but you also have a lot of time spent with finance talking about budgets talking about headcounts right so it's an operations job but it for me it is still within hr right we're still dealing with sensitive information um we still are affecting people's lives right every single day their their meaning these candidates their conversations with us are a lot more important than our conversations with them because their lives can change right so i i definitely keep that in mind and, and to me that is what human resources is right like that is our capital um that is how we and why we get paid and so i i, I consider my job, human resources, for sure, even though I'm not like, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing any firing. I'm not doing anything like that. Um, but I, I definitely consider it human resources. And I almost feel like, from my vantage point, being in an agency, like HR does, you know, writes all the policies and all of the you know, compliance things, and all the things that we are able to do, I'm able to do my job inside of that, the, those walls, right? Um, but I am not great with policies or rules, so. <laughs> I myself um, work at this company called iHerb. Um, not a lot of people in the US have heard of it, um, but we're very big outside of the US. And we have a pretty large tech presence as far as like how we do our job. So I was recruited to this company by an agency. So an, an agent reached out to me on behalf of iHerb and he, was someone that when he places people there, his company gets paid by placing people there. So they reached out because they were not having it. So there's two different types of, of HR. And Meg, you're at an agency, right? That does this sort of thing. And then both of you guys, uh, Doug and Audrey, are employees of your actual companies doing recruiting, right? Can Meg, can you kind of talk about like the differences on the agency side? And then we'll go to you guys on what it's like for a direct hire, if we could. Yeah, so, well... I guess I want to ask you to flesh that out a little bit more. Like, what specific do you want to know? Yeah. So I think that there's a little bit of, of like, just what is it? Like, how does it work on, when an agency hires somebody? How does that work? How do you find your people? Like, those sorts of things. Like, because I, I know, like, I, I use LinkedIn. I've been, I think everything that I've been recruited from lately has always been through LinkedIn. I would say the last 15 years. Like, it's been, it's, I would say the last 2011, so close to it, you know, we're, we're getting 12 years, well, 12 years, sure, but sure. every job that I've got has come from LinkedIn and not, not anywhere else, you know, a little bit of word of mouth, but like adding the people talking to the people on LinkedIn. I know there's other things and we'll talk about those other tools in a little bit here. Uh, Cause I think like Audrey, I think you use some of the other tools sometimes too, but um, the agency side is different because a company reaches out to you and says, I need this person. Right. And then you have to go in and try and find those people and then what happens like how does that work like you just turn them over to the, the thing because i don't know how it worked for me when i was agency recruited but i don't know any of the behind the scenes so maybe if you could demystify some of that for us sure um i think it just depends like you know we do both contract you know uh statement of work kind of you know 
consultants and we terms. also do direct yeah right, right. well not really, like six to 18 months right um, but we also do direct placement but i would say that the the, the contract portion of our business is the larger portion of our business for sure um, and so i have account managers across the country that i support that go to organizations fortune 500s you know um and builds relationships with me with me specifically i support risk and security so we're building relationships with uh the chief chief information security officer or the chief risk officer and helping organizations build out their needs uh, in those respective pillars and is there like do the agencies that hire you guys do they typically not have recruiting departments or do you guys have an expertise that is unique to your organization or, or a pool of people that is unique to your organization? We are at Tech Systems, we are highly specialized recruiters. Um, so like I said, I focus on recruiting cybersecurity professionals within risk and security. We provide services to CISOs to help address certain cybersecurity identity management risk and compliance specific initiatives. Um, ask me to recruit anything else and I'm Dumb. Like I can't, I can't do it. It um, is uh, cybersecurity people are pretty. Or, there's only a few of us out there, you know. They're growing. I went to RSA and there was a lot of people, but you know, yes, finding the good ones is is the uh, the trick. And that that's that's what makes that's what makes me different, right? Is because I'm able to suss out uh, red team versus blue team, for instance, right? Um, and I can't do that for any other kind of development, though. So and you <laughs> do you. Do you yourself, like, or is it your company, do you get paid on the people you place or does your company get paid on the people you place and only when they're there? How, how does that kind of work on those well, the contract ones? I'm... I specifically, it's like, you know, for every hour and most agencies, like for every hour that a consultant works, we get a certain... Yeah, yeah, usually it's like double. Um, usually the billable rate is like double. <laughs> well, but no. And that that varies too, right? Across companies, yeah. across markets, right? So, um, but yeah, just de definitely for every hour consultant works, tech is getting paid per hour too. Okay. Yeah, because I think I, on when I got direct placed, I had to work there, I think, I think three or six months. Like I had to stay there at, well, I stay here at iHeart. Well, obviously I'm still here almost two years in, but I had to stay here before that, that executive recruiter that got me placed there got his his money that way i guess like you can't place people i would assume and then they just quit the next day and you just churn the systems probably some little security things in place there you know that sort of i mean yes that's secured like all the functional things right but like um is i almost i by the time i put a candidate in front of a client i have a relationship with not only the candidate but the client right so like my reputation is on the line too so I and, and larger at tech, you know, our reputation is on the line also. So like the last thing I would want to do is ask you to stay for three months just so that we can get paid and then like quit, yeah. right? Like because that that soils the relationship with my client, right? Yeah. And that makes sense. it partially soils the relationship with my candidate too. So that makes sense. What about direct? So so Doug and Audrey, Doug, we'll start with you on this one. Like Direct recruiting. Have you ever? Have you always done direct recruiting when you since you've been a recruiter? Do you have? Do you guys use agencies? Do you get? Do you ever source candidates from agencies or anything like that yourselves? So I actually I, I've never used an agency personally. Um, the companies I've worked for, each every company has used agencies before. I think that agencies get called when one there's like a real big hiring push and it's just more work than recruiters. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so that happens. Uh, number two, if a if a role is particularly specialized or very hard, 
and maybe the company does not have the expertise there. So, you know, like if my company is not good at cybersecurity, maybe we hit up Meg, right? But uh, but but those would be the only times that 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 that's happened. Like I said, for my roles, I don't know. Maybe I'm very competitive. I I'm going <laughs> fine. There, there's there's fine, that that collegiate, <laughs> right? Like is so you know. So I've never had a role where I needed to give it away and and or or you know bring in reinforcements. Um, but it but it does happen. The company that I'm with currently is very small and and growing, right? Yeah. Um, before they brought me in, there was a lot of agency usage, and in fact, my manager calls me the agency killer because <laughs> like. It costs Uh-oh. a lot of money. Like agencies are, are, are worth it, but it, it's a lot of money, right? So in-house saves a lot of money for whatever company, you know, has the in-house recruiter, um, as long as you're able to to, to get those hires and, and have retention, right? So um Yeah. yeah the retention. That. And we'll we'll probably talk talk about that retention thing in a little bit. Audrey, what about you? Yeah, so I never worked for an agency, but I worked very, very closely with them when I started at Hot Topic, which as a recruiting coordinator, you would handle any of the temp roles, whether it was a month, whether it was two months, whether it was just for holiday. So I did make a lot of really great relationships with the agency recruiters, and they are hustlers. Meg, mad respect. They are going after it every single day. But I do think that for the most part for us we do have a full in-house recruiting team so it's never made sense for us to go to an agency for a full-time hire when we have people on the ground it really has only been for you know if finance only approves some someone for two weeks or two months we're obviously not going to hire someone um you know if we don't know for sure that they're going to be here long term so it's really just like short stints if anything but um Overall, I mean, it's not my preferred method either. I'm with Doug on that. I'd rather, you know, go after it myself. But at the end of the day, I'd rather do an agency with for someone who needs to only be here for a couple months and then hopefully they get, you know, converted to. Excellent. So while we're going to stay with you, Audrey, let's talk about your guys' personal style. So everybody has, I'm sure, their own unique way. Doug, you said you're you're going to win at all costs. And we'll come right back to you on that one. But Audrey, let's start, start with you. What is your style when you let's say you get a new position that you're you're told to recruit for. So what do you do? How do you do it? Yeah, I think I've been really lucky to work with great business partners here. So being really not only transparent with them, but also personable. I, I want them to trust me. I want to trust them. I want them to know that I've, you know, done this for a long time or I have people in the pipeline. So it's giving them those expectations up front, like, hey, this is where we're at, where we're at in the market. This is where our budget is. We have to look at these types of people. We have to rethink what we need and what we're able to train for and then taking that over into actually talking to candidates you can probably tell i'm a very casual person uh that's just who i am as a person it's resonated really well with just the organization that i work for we're hot topic Inc. we sell the pops and t-shirts we're not curing anything crazy over on our end so it really is just making sure that it feels like that from the jump because i do think it's important to understand that from a candidate perspective, you know, this might be their dream job. They're super stoked to talk to you that, you know, they grew up with Hot Topic or they've been a, a fan good point. for so long. That's yeah, a really good point. I don't, I don't want them to feel at the end of the day that just because maybe it doesn't work out, maybe they do go with someone differently. I still want them to have a good experience and give them that upfront. Like, hey, what's the feedback you have for me? Well, you know, I love your energy, but we need a couple more years of Excel experience. At the end of the day, it's going to be really hard for a team that moves really fast to get you up and running. But don't feel like this is the end. It's all good. Like, I love to revisit past candidates and 
just make sure that they feel connected. Because, I mean, that, that's kind of stuff, right? I mean, if you call someone and you say, hey, you know, it doesn't work out, they're going to be bummed. But I think that's the hardest part of our job is we have to hurt someone's feelings. I mean, that's so what's up. real quick on that, on that part, do you call all of your nose? I call everyone. So it depends. So we go from phone screen, then we go to presentation to the team, and then we bring them either on site or virtual interviews. Anyone that goes to the hiring team, I call every single person to release. Wow. Uh, you will not catch me sending an email, but with phone screen, it's a little different. You know, it's only that first 25 minutes. So I do release uh, via email, but everyone else gets called. Wow. That's impressive. We'll come back to that maybe in a little bit because uh, I might want to know more. Uh, Doug, you yeah. win at all costs. Um, what does that look like? <laughs> so, no, I don't win at all costs. Okay. I, I, I win. Okay. okay. Like, that's it. There you go. So I, I want to I put that out there. There's no, there's no cheating. There's no, like, I'm not lying. I'm like, we're going to. We're going to make it work. Recruiter. I'm a good recruiter because I'm a good recruiter. Um. So my style, listen, the most important thing that a recruiter can do is understand the job. I have a leg up on most people in finance recruiting because I did this work, right? So I, I have 13 years, 14 years, excuse me, under my belt of doing finance. So nine times out of 10, I have experienced a job, worked tangentially with that job or, you know, or literally did the job myself. So that helps. However, if there is, you know, but I need to have that intake call with the hiring manager to make sure that I know exactly what the role is, what they're going to be doing, what can be expected. Um, and in that call, I make a friend, right? Very important to have those relationships with your clients because I want them, I want them to slip up and tell me something. You know what I mean? Like I want them to, I want to get to know as much as I can. So then I can be, because I'm a very transparent recruiter as well. I will tell a candidate this is not going to work out for you for this reason. Or this role isn't the best. Let's see what you think of this role, right? Um, and so you can't do that without really understanding the job, understanding the hiring manager. So that's the first thing that I do as far as my style. I, I, I try to spend as much time with the hiring manager as possible. Um, you know, then I'm sourcing and, and, and doing my pre-screens, right? These pre-screens, again, I try to make a friend. Right. I want them to feel very comfortable with me again. So they feel like they can tell me whatever they want to tell me. Right. Cause I'm assessing as much as I can. It's very easy. Let me, actually, let me, let me roll that back. Candidates are on their best behavior when they speak to us. Oh yeah. It is, it, it is their, their first, you know, they're showing out for the first time with these companies or with, or with your agency or whatever the case may be. This is, this is what they're doing. Right. Um, and so I want to get them very comfortable so I can try to get the most real person that, that I can find my authentic so self. Then when I am giving my assessment and, and giving my recommendations to the hiring manager, as far as who we want to move forward or not, when we have those debriefs, um, I can give the best information possible. Right. I always have, um, uh, I always have a tricky time with like, what, what it is, you know, you want to convey like your knowledge, you know, um, and, but you also want to convey like who you are as a person. And I feel like sometimes when I'm on some of like the screen calls, you know, they only care about the knowledge. I, I'm I, the last, like probably two that I've done. I was I'm pretty fortunate where like the, the screener was like, Hey, I don't know a whole lot about this fraud prevention payments roles. Like I, I honestly, I don't know. So like you tell me 
what does this mean? And that's, that's a different way that like it was approached for me on like, especially on the last one, which was, it allowed me like to have my walls to come down a little bit instead of trying to be like, all like, Oh, you know, it's like, Oh, let me tell you, this is what it is. This is probably what they're going to look for. You could go and ask them if that's what they're looking for. And it made the whole situation a little different. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meg, what about you? What, what's your style? So two things you need to know about me is one, I am a go-getter shark. So I resonate with the <laughs> both of you. Um, but also I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, right? So like I'm a nerd in that respect. So I am, I utilize everything that Brene has taught me to like meet people where they are. Um, so that, that plus I'm a, like, I feel like I'm a matchmaker in my job, right? I have a whole bunch of candidates and a whole bunch of clients and like, let's see where we can make a match. Um, so I too am super personable, super transparent. Um, and I also, uh, the way I approached a candidate, just a pre-screen call is like, we're, listen, we're just two people having a conversation, just two friends having a conversation. Tell me about yourself and tell me about the work that you do. Um, and I'll allow them, give them a space to like geek out because if they don't love it, like that's a red flag for me, right? Like, so um, yeah, that's kind of just my personal style is meeting people where they are and, and allowing them to talk about themselves in, a, in the best way possible. All right. So let's talk about, and Meg, we'll stay with you on this one. Let's talk about where you guys find these candidates. Because um, I think we all see late night TV commercials for Indeed. Um, Indeed you do. They always say, I need to hire Indeed you do. Um, all the YouTube videos we all watch, they all talk about ZipRecruiter, you know, like there's a ton of marketing that they're throwing out. I have personally used like the Indeed and the, the ZipRecruiters. And I felt, and this is just my personal feeling, that it's only trying to sell me something. It's that's all it's trying to do. It's trying to, it's like Tinder for jobs. It's trying to kind of just, I don't feel like the matches are going to be of quality. Like that's what I've always felt on it. Now, I don't know. I haven't used it in a number of years. I would say probably 10 years, but the last time I did, it felt really scammy and really un ungenuine. Now, obviously people are still using them. And I know a lot of people do, and they, like they say they have AI and, every, and everything that matches the right candidates with the right roles. Great. Everybody's got AI right now. But for me, like I said earlier, LinkedIn has been everything for me in my career. Uh, I feel like because I can see the people that are behind some of the postings, because I can see the people that do these jobs, I can see about their lives. I can see where they came from. I can see their schooling. I can see their, their hobbies and those sorts of things if they choose to list it. That social media aspect of LinkedIn has been very useful for me to know what's bullshit and what's not. So Meg, let's start with you. How, what do you use? What, it, why does it work for you? So I, in seven years of recruiting, I have always used LinkedIn. Um, it is, I sit there probably seven hours a day, honestly. Um, just Me too. And I don't even recruit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get paid to do it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sitting on LinkedIn seven hours a day. Um, the LinkedIn recruiter license is a thousand percent worth of, worth of money. Um, and I honestly, I, you know, I've always been a national recruiter. I've always supported the entire country. So I've never had the opportunity to meet with candidates face-to-face, -face, right? Um, and so being able to, I think that's a trade-off is that I don't 
I don't get to meet people face to face and take people out to lunch, but I do get to talk to really cool folks at really cool companies in California um, and and the Pacific Northwest and learn about all the really fun stuff that they're doing. Um, and I don't think I would be able to do that without LinkedIn. Excellent. Jeez, we're going to turn this into a LinkedIn commercial here pretty soon. I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to hit them up for sponsorship. Doug, what about you? What tools do you use? Um, So throughout my career, I've been very lucky. Like, my companies, people applied to my companies. So the applicant tracking system going through those resumes um, probably has accounted for, I would say, 66% of my hires, right? Um, I also take that seriously because people take their time to read those job descriptions and and apply. Some people just go and, and apply willy-nilly. We do know that, right? Like, you know, you mm -hmm. see the same name 17 times with 17 different jobs, right? But you know, but there, but if if people take their time to to apply to jobs, I want to look at their applications and not just go only on LinkedIn or or anywhere else to to source, right? Um, but for those times when I do need to outwardly source, LinkedIn is the first go to, right? Um, just because it's easy and and it's probably the best platform that there is right now. But I also, and this is me, right? I will literally put something on Twitter and say, I need this person with this skill set. Where's it? At? Interesting. So use that actual Twitter, come, huh? Wow. I'll literally just put it right on Twitter. I need somebody with this skill set in this area. Does it exist? Do you exist? Right? You'll see that, you know, I, I used to do that pretty often actually with my last position. Um, and I will find that person and be able to talk to them. Will they always be like, the, the person we hire, no, I probably hired, but I probably hired about 20 people off of Twitter just just by, my network is is, is vast. That is and, fascinating. And I was gonna say, I see both of you guys going, start asking each other <laughs> questions, let's do it. Right, <laughs> listen, have you ever seen Twitter be like, you know when, when they say Twitter do your thing and then they find that person, they find that like wrongdoer? Mm -hmm. Same thing happens with jobs. Yo, my friend does that, my friend of a friend does that. And they are looking for a job. Right, you might not have the whole world doing it, but if you have a good hundred people who see that tweet, and they have, and there's six people who are in their network, they have somebody there. You might have somebody in your DM within a day and a half, and boom, right? And the difference there is that that person is looking; they're actively seeking, as opposed to on LinkedIn, we seek them. Like we are, we are infringing upon their lives the majority of the time. We're like, hey, hey. Do you like my company? Come talk to my company. I got a good job for you, right? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Um, and so they have to choose us back. Whereas this one, I'm usually receiving something and I can kind of just sit and wait. That's been a really cool aspect. Now, also the, the third part is like um, conventions. Like I go to Afrotech every year and I definitely get a bunch of hires there. Um, Latinas in Tech has, has, a, has a conference every year as well. Um, you never, you know, like you go there and, and you meet people and you never know the resume you're going to get. So that that also works and and is a good way. And even Meg, you too, like you might be able to go to these conferences and, and then meet your people in person a little bit like that, you know, so it's a cool aspect. Audrey, you're up. I'm still tripping about the Twitter thing. I've been... I never thought to use that. Do you use hashtags? How did, how does it reach the right people? <laughs> nah, you, you put it out there. I have, I have. 3,000 followers or almost 4,000 followers and you know it gets it gets retweeted to the right yeah. person it doesn't work every time right I'm not saying like <laughs> I'm this Twitter whisperer right but you know you get enough people you, you put it out there you know if I have put 
50 tweets out there, right? Like mm-hmm. out of all my tweets, I put, you know, if I, I get 20 hires, like that's a pretty good percentage. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I used it initially too, and it did work when I was in the PhD space. Yeah, yeah because PhD, PhDs love talking about their PhDs on Twitter, don't they? So, yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, what, um, what, what are the tools you use? Tell, tell us all about them and, and, and Twitter. Yeah. So I think, okay, so kind of separating both of this, and you'll understand why I was asking more about the Twitter, but I also do all the recruitment marketing for Hot Topicking. So anything that you see externally facing, whether it's in stores, whether it's on LinkedIn, um, I do run the LinkedIn pages. Uh, all is usually me. So we recently expanded into new ideas because, you know, we're thinking not only from a corporate standpoint, how to brand the job, but also from a store standpoint. So I recently partnered with um, our internal teams to do a TikTok campaign, which won't make sense for the corporate roles, but it did phenomenal for the stores as far as reach, as far as engagement. And that is something that I've never thought of for Twitter just because of where those candidates sit. But to kind of go off of that, so I think we all have favorite tools. We also have least favorite tools. I'm not going to say least favorite tools, uh, but my favorite for uh, corporate is definitely LinkedIn. Uh, when we, I talk to candidates, I ask, how did you hear about us? A lot of the times it's word of mouth. A lot of the times they're, they're frequent um, visitors to the career site, but most of the time it's going to be LinkedIn. So I think meeting candidates halfway as well, uh, you know, we are a very niche demographic, if you will. So it's not all the time that people are going to apply to an accounts payable role. Thinking Hot Topic is that like go-to place for that. When it comes to merch roles, I do not have a hard time filling merchandise coordinators, product development positions, planning allocation, because they've likely worked in retail. They likely have some kind of connection to the brand. So I don't necessarily need to use tools, but when it becomes a little more back of the house, like finance, accounting, uh, real estate and construction, that's where I have to lean in on those. And sometimes at the end of the day, they're on Indeed, they're on Glassdoor or they're looking in all those different areas, which aren't my favorite ones, but you have to go where they are. And that's how we utilize it. I would say Indeed would be something that I use pretty closely, but we also have distribution center recruiters who utilize uh, Zip Recruiter, Indeed, a little more closely. Uh, we do also have a tech recruiter and she uses different avenues as well. Built-in is a recent one that we've experimented with that's been doing really well for us as far as getting candidates to kind of- Like the magazine, it. like the, the online magazine? Yeah. You know, one time yeah. I was uh, I was in built-in LA uh, because I had the most insane commute in LA. It was two and a half hours each way each day. So uh, they featured impressive me one, award. At, at one time. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I did it for seven months. It was not super great, but uh, you know. Yeah, that's okay. That's insane. That's a weird feature to have. But I think the tools make sense for different spaces too. So overall, I can't say they're all bad, but I can see it from your perspective too, Jordan. That some of them do look really spammy, and we give that feedback. I will say that um, <laughs> the these opinions are my own and not the opinions of any of my guests or their companies. So um, <laughs> sorry, indeed, because I know I have like five people that I know that work there. So sorry if they're <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> it, but, it does what it needs to do. But yeah, and and you know, obviously people use it people get jobs like i'm not i'm not saying like it, it's it's complete bullshit you know it's like people it obviously works for people that that it works on. and i think you know back in when i was unemployed in and having a rough time when the economy was dead 2010 and 2011 like i would use everything like i would put my resume 
on every single thing. Monster is Monster still a thing? Is that like still a company? Like I remember they were everything for a minute there. It's it's like, it's around for sure. Wow. Yeah. Sad this I level was gonna, time. Kind of like to to your point too, Jordan, with our store level employees, a lot of them yeah. are 16, 17, 18. This is their first time ever, you know, getting into the job industry. Their resumes are pretty flat. But the first thing that they're doing a hundred percent of the time is they're going to Google, they're typing in jobs near me. And they're getting whatever ads are coming up. That's going to be Indeed. That's going to be ZipRecruiter. They're the ones yeah. putting the most money behind those advertisements. So those 16, 17-year-olds are going to go straight I guess, to that. Yeah, they're not going to have a LinkedIn, resume. are they? No. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But And a lot of those ones create your resumes for you. You give some of those keywords and it almost makes it in-house. So that's where our store candidates are going to live. It's already built in. They go in, they press button, easy apply to like literally 55 jobs. Uh, so... For us, it still is so important. I just, from a corporate standpoint, we don't have to utilize it as like a sourcing tool. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing how what tools you use and how you do that. Let's kind of shift gears and kind of talk about recruiting lately. Now, this is something that I think is has been fascinating since COVID. So I have been, I, I switched my company during COVID. I was at a company that was very much affected by COVID. Now, my personal role at that company was not affected by COVID, but I did take a pay cut uh, during COVID. So, you know, I did my part, but I did switch jobs and I was part of what they call the great resignation. And I think everybody has has heard that online and we'll, we'll cover quiet quitting and all those sorts of things in a little bit. But the great resignation was obviously a time when people during COVID were, were jumping jobs asking for a ton of money. There was just a, a ton of churn in the industry. They would just move around. Now, I think over the last like year and a half, we've had a lot more layoffs. So it was kind of a fallout from those, like the companies overstaffing, especially um, e-commerce companies were having a, a, a lot of overstaffing issues. So let's kind of talk about your guys' opinion um, on the great resignation. What happened with that? What what's What's changed in candidates from before to now? How do you approach it? What do you have to do? Do you have to front load money? All of those sorts of things. And Doug, let's start with you on that one, if we could. Um, well, first of all, I think the great resignation kept a lot of recruiters employed. So that was dope. That's right. a good point. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> for me, I have never been... Okay, so as recruiters, we have a fiduciary responsibility towards our company. We want to make sure that we're staying under budget and all that and the other, right? I don't really subscribe to that. Okay. I never, I never have. I have always wanted to get my folks as much money as possible within the budget. Always. Um, I think that's how you stay. I think that's the first step of retention, right? And that is the trust that they have with me as a recruiter and then as the company. One of the biggest things that happened for, with, with the great resignation, right? is that folks said, you know what? I don't need to sit here and do this anymore. And I'm sure I can make a lot more money right now. And so my recruiting style never changed because I was already on that time. I was never in, I worked for JP Morgan. They have more money than God. I was not trying to save $3,000. Like that's just not how I was working. That's, that's not how I was point. wired. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Same, same with PayPal. Right. Like this is just not how I was wired. And so my recruiting style didn't change. What I think happened for for hiring managers, on the other hand, is that I think prior to the great resignation, hiring managers wanted to see a lot more uh, longevity at certain companies. 
is this person going to be loyal to me? Is that like, does that even work? I was like, in this, huh? in like, is that even working? Like the last 10 years, I feel people jump every two to three years. It should just kind of exactly. be expected, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that for me, what I saw was that hiring managers have now really succumbed to the fact like, Hey, I don't need somebody to work five years at a company anymore. I can trust that, you know, going from company to company is just what the culture is. And I think the great resignation accelerated acceptance by hiring managers. So that's one of the biggest things that I saw that changed. But again, as far as my my style and, and the money that was given out and even the expectations on folks and the questions asked within uh within pre-screens, et cetera, like I feel like the You're market caught up to my style, which is pretty cool. <laughs> So. Well, uh, there you go everybody go hit up doug on uh on linkedin and tell him uh, you're looking for work and he'll get you max maximum money it's coming your way <laughs> meg what about you what would you see in the great resignation what changed with the, with that side i mean i saw it go from a client market like a customer's market to a candidate market um and where the candidate had more say more autonomy right I feel like more agency uh and uh I think it's kind of leveled out now that because everyone's squeezed financially right customers candidates everyone's squeezed um but I also see uh, a leveling out too of the squeeziness because like we're getting used to what inflation is looking like in 2023 right um so yeah I did that's that's what I saw over the past couple of years Audrey what'd you see you went through it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was definitely a little bit of everything. And mind you, too, being in retail, I think it's a very different candidate market. But at the end of the day, similar to Doug's point, I mean, we want to get them the most money. We really do. I, I mean, we're people, too, and we know people have bills and things of that sort. But at the end of the day, for us, um, I'm a huge I love the underdog. I love when the underdog wins. The person who, you know, they weren't really sure of at the very beginning, uh, you know, but I think that's where I started to change my views. I also do all of the early recruitment here at Hot Topicking, so all of our interns. So there's just like a very close connection that I have. And with those people, they don't have a lot of experience, but they're typically within budget. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. And how I've learned from that is that we can teach all of these different skills. You know, we can teach someone how to do Excel. We can teach someone how to do a spreadsheet. But for Hot Topic, you can't just teach someone how to be a huge nerd. Like at the end of the day, that is totally ingrained. I don't know how Megan does open up their conversations, but one of the first things that I ask when I jump on a phone screen is, okay, um, you know, what drew you to apply? What are your favorite fandoms? What do you geek out on? What are your favorite TV shows, movies? And you really develop a relationship there and you can kind of tell, you know, what is apparent to them and how, how you both said as well, you know, you, you get a personality. You, you, when people talk about things that they're passionate about, similar to how we're all doing, people are stoked. Like there is a conversation that'll fly very easily. But at the end of the day, we still always are going to run into the money aspect of things. And, you know, it is what it is. And we want to give them the most money, but we also want to be uh, keeping the business in mind, too. So we offer so many other things that hopefully kind of help with that. So we'll, let's let's talk about that. That is next on the list. And I was hoping you were just going to transition it that way. And you did a great job of that for me. Um, let's talk about salary expectations. So how you guys approach it. Now, for me, obviously, salary is a huge concern. I, I love money. I just do. I think most people do. But also, I do look at long-term packages. Like, what else comes with my job? Like, what's my day going to look like? What's my stock going to look like? 
you know, what is what does the PTO look like? I mean, I think a lot of people are doing FTO, which is I have my own opinions about that. It's fine. Um, what is any sort of like now with work from home, like what is like work from home stipends, like those sorts of things. So how do you guys approach salary? When do you approach salary? I think is, is really where I want to like, do you start early? Do you wait till people are like all the way at the, like the, the hiring manager has made that decision and then, okay, now we're going to talk money or do you just launch right into it right at the beginning? Because I will tell you right now, I, when I, when people send me messages on LinkedIn asking if I'm interested, I straight tell them my salary expectations and 99% of the time they're going to leave. So <laughs> how do you guys approach that? Yeah, I can jump in on this one really quick. And I think traditionally, a lot of people talk about salary at the end of the phone call. I mean, do you want to talk to them, make sure it makes sense. But with California pay uh, being a transparent thing now, I that's know, right. I'm, I'm not sure what other I know there's other states that do it because I think New York does store. it. Too. I think Colorado, York, I think too. Colorado. Yeah. And so it's on there. But keeping in mind, I do a lot of the entry-level associate-level manager position. So I typically don't have a lot of room in my budget and I know what we're able to do and I'm super real about it. So I want to talk about that in the first five minutes. So after we talk about, uh, you know, fandoms and your favorite TV show and what's your favorite, you know, character from Stranger Things, it's okay. I want to cover two different things. One of it is our hybrid schedule. Are you cool with this? It's two days in the office. Can you make the commute? A lot of the times it's yes. Uh, I recruit a lot from the LA area. That's the next thing. Okay, here's our compensation range. What do you think? I know you have bills to pay. Does this make sense for you? I'm going to be super honest. I, I don't have any wiggle room in the salary. However, I'm going to tell you right now, Hot Topic is the greatest place to work. These are the reasons. It's more than just benefits, compensation. It's the people that you work with. It's the longevity that we have here, the growth opportunities, learning and development. And I say that all, and being honest too, I know culture right now, same culture from a corporate standpoint is kind of a joke. I see it on TikTok all the time. That's another thing. But, um, you know, there really is something special yeah. here. And people don't know that until they come into the doors. And I always have to make sure that that's brought up too. So, so I, I I did my my whole last episode. Like we, we divert out into what culture means and why we pick jobs and what culture are. So anybody go listen to uh, the episode with Bridget Corney. Uh, we talk about culture there and what it means. So, yeah. Doug, what about you? What about salary? How do you do salaries? And then Meg, you're up next. So get, get ready. You're on deck. <laughs> so um, so I, in the middle of our phone call is usually when we talk salary. Uh, first thing I do is I, I have to introduce the company because nobody knows what the company is. In fact, we just launched our first product last month. So like it, when I ask, what do you know about Genius Bank? And I get a really long-winded answer. I know I'm probably not going to hire this person because there's not nearly that much information out there, right? All that being said, so I, I I introduce the company, I introduce the job, I get to know the person a little bit, and then we go into kind of HR questions, i.e. Um, work authorization and then into salary as well. Um, when I ask, I always ask, what are you looking for? And then everybody's like, oh, it's the range, right? And I'm like, listen, I have a range. I have a spreadsheet in front of me, and I'm not going to go off of this spreadsheet. This is your chance to shine. What do you want to make? I say it just like that, right? If they if they aren't forthcoming in the beginning. Mm. Once they let me know, I then let them know if we're aligned. I let them know what that range is, where we want to be. And then we keep going forward if we want to move forward. So I'm very transparent right in the beginning. Because when we get to the end of this thing, this offer is going to go like that. I'm not like, you can, you can ask for more. You get what you negotiate. Everybody listening, you get what you negotiate. However... When you're dealing with me, 
we're going to know early where we want to be, where the business wants to be. And I'm very upfront and transparent about that. Um, you know, and also another thing for me, and I say this often, is that I don't like to go first. I don't want to give my range first or, or, or and, and some recruiters don't always agree with me on this. But the thing is, I can't change what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is right there in stone. I cannot go above the budget and I will not go below the budget. But when you receive that, you can change what you think you want based off of what I say. And that's never good for anybody because your bills don't change, your 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 mortgage doesn't change or your rent or whatever the case may be, your aspirations and what you're saving for does not change. And so you know what you want coming into it. At least you should. That's something you should think about before you start going into applying for jobs because it's your job, not mine, right? Like it's not my money to give, it's your money to make. So like as... You know, so I so I want to make sure that that's on the table from you. So then we can go back, you know, and, and have a discussion about where we could be in the budget. And, and and also, is this the right position for you? Like, because the other thing that happens, and, I, and I'll be done after this, other thing that happens, then I can educate after that. If you are completely off on the budget, then I can say, you know what? You're applying for the wrong jobs. You're seeing this associate here, but in reality, you want to be an executive director, Right. You you if you go from tech to banking or from banking to tech, there's different titles. And now I could be like, listen, you applied for the wrong title and a whole bunch of the wrong titles. It's not where you want to be financially. You need to be looking at these jobs. These are the roles that we have open here, or you know, go elsewhere and, and apply for these type of roles at these type of companies. So it allows me to do that as well. So I usually go in like personally, I go in with like I know where I want to be, like if I'm ever looking. Like so I know exactly like where where I want to be. And then I'm like, hey, are we here? The same thing. It's like, are we aligned or not? You know? So Meg, what about you? So because I talk to a ton of people every day um, and I'm like cherry picking people as opposed to like having people come to me, right? Like I always say, how much money are you looking for? And if I do get the pushback of, well, what's the range? I instantly give the range because I don't want to waste nobody's time, right? Like if we're close, like if we align or are close to a line, like, cool, let's see what we if we can meet in the middle, right? Um, but if it's like 30, 40, 50 grand off, I'm like, this is not the role for you. Like, let's just keep in touch until I have something that better suits your financial expectations. Excellent. Yeah, I think uh, I was at one once and they were like, it was like 30 grand off. And I was just like, that's, there's, it's, that's there's no compromise there like that's just what it's gonna be like i'm not gonna make less money than i was making before you know but i will say like the 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 recruiter that got me here he sent like just the most amazing linkedin message it was just it was all numbers it was unnamed company salary bonus stock uh autonomy to hire and uh um <laughs> and unlimited time off and he's like interested question mark and i was like here's my phone number go ahead and give me a call he did research <laughs> on you he knew exactly who he was talking yeah about. he knows That's he knows why. all like shiny things <laughs> hey and it all worked out now i've been here a year and a half you know changing the world over here so let's talk a little bit about interviews because this is something for me personally that I have opinions about and I'm going to say my opinions and I could be wrong all day long and that's just fine. But that's the point of me hosting the show and you guys being the experts is there's too many damn interviews these days and the interviews take too long, even for regular positions. Like I see and hear about people like at subway, like six interviews. Why are there so many damn interviews? Like what's going on these days, guys. So Meg, let's start with you on that. Tell me why there's so many damn interviews. 
I mean, I can't tell you why. For for me, each of my clients are different, right? And I had a client when I first started recruiting. They are amazing, amazing AI organization, right? Um, but they did six rounds of Google Hangouts, hour-long Google Hangouts. Um, and I was like, this feels gnarly. <laughs> and now, seven years later, I'm able to say, oh, you, you're, you're pushing for three rounds over the course of, what, a month for a contract yeah. role? Like, People yeah. are going to roll by then. Like, let's let's get honest about what your expectations are and how we can facilitate, you know, making it quicker um, because people's time is precious and the organization's time is precious. Yeah, I feel like if you're hiring for a role, wouldn't you want someone sitting in that seat like ASAP? Like, you have a need. Like, and get that's enough, that but the background check takes two weeks anyway. So, like, let's get this party started. <laughs> yeah. Do you do it? Like, and that's another thing, too, is like, do we need to background check people that like don't have access to sensitive information and don't have like a till in front of them? Like, do we um, do we need that? Do yeah, we, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. You guys, <laughs> you guys are the experts. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Doug, Doug, what about you? Why are there so many damn interviews? <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you why. Uh, but I can tell you something that happened in, in one of my last companies. By the way, I agree with everything Megan Meg just said, right? <laughs> um, but uh, there was that question that came up from upper management, like, why are we meeting with six people? So uh, there was a transformation made, and then they said, you're not meeting with more than three people. VPs and above will meet with three. Anything below VP will meet with two people because we do not, like, we need to trust who's interviewing. Are the correct yeah. people interviewing is the question. Because that's what right? like the like the screen is supposed to get the right people through to the well, next this is, round, right? This is yeah. After the screen, right? A after the screen, because they have to screen with us because screen doesn't count. Yeah, screen doesn't right. count. That, that yeah. doesn't count. But but as far as you know, but they said you're not gonna be meeting with with three with more than three people. We cannot do that anymore because it's not a good candidate experience, right? Especially listen, and, and for us, right? We gotta go tell these people no after all that. Like when you just met with five adults, you took five hours out away from your job, away from your family, right? Because um, generally speaking, especially in those higher levels, you're speaking with people who already have jobs. We're asking them to change. I went, I, I recruited them. I told them how great this company was. They met with five people and then I'm calling them like, hey, listen, dog, it's not going to work out. Maybe next time. Like, that's just, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, it sucks for us. But um. But yeah, but but that that happened, and I think that companies are actually kind of changing that now, right? I, I'm, okay. I'm not seeing as yeah. Often. I haven't interviewed in almost two years, so <laughs> right. Yeah, I I think that a lot of companies have kind of realized like all that interviewing is kind of ridiculous. I think it started with like the Googles of the world and Facebooks, and I think there's kind of like I don't know, it's a, a bit of a dick measuring contest as well. Yeah, right. Like, that's that's kind of what it. What it seems like is, I, I will tell you right now, like I, there's a major, major payment processor um, that's not JP Morgan, don't worry, uh, that it's cool. I'm good. Was, <laughs> was trying to recruit me uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, before I started here. And this, I had like eight interviews with like all the way up, like not like all, one level below the founders, you know, like these are like really smart people, but I'm talking eight. And then I had one more, like just one more, just one more. I'm talking, this was over like probably two month period. And then they called me or they, they emailed me 30 minutes before my final one and said, never mind, we're not going to go forward with this role. Like they closed the whole role. They didn't even do it. And I was like, you just fucking wasted my time, like so much of my time. And like, granted, there's other people that work at that company that I like a lot. So like, I won't shut them out completely. But like, if someone's like, this company's trying to do business with me, I'm going to be like, eh, 
that kind of dicked me around. Maybe it's my turn to pay a little payback on it. But yeah, that's another thing. So Audrey, I see you have a ton of notes in our little thing here. So okay. you have some opinions about this. <laughs> yes, I have. I think there's multiple layers here. And again, I did a lot of early talent. So um, it, I think it's very different when you get executive and above. There's too many stakeholders. There's too much involved on the back end where you need the okay from all these different people. I don't know how that started out, so I can't speak to it. But when it comes to early talent, uh, we've definitely hit the nail on the head on how people should interview, how the group should work, how it should be spaced. Uh, we also developed an internal interview plan that we teach everyone on how to interview properly from questions to ask, giving them guidance. This is how the layout is. And a lot of the times too, and Doug and Meg probably felt this as well, we're racing other companies. If they're moving faster in the interview process, we're already gone. doesn't matter if we offer more. They're going to get the offer. They're going to say yes to that. And so that's where I tried to find a, a solid place in the middle. Okay, who needs to interview? It should be only the most important people, not people you just want opinions from. Because at the end of the day, they're not going to be the ones working with them day in and day out. But also including, you know, interview plans might be a little longer because they have test assessments. Product development does a week, you know, gives a week turnaround for a full scale of, you know, line sheets. And that takes a long time. So a lot of the times you're not only adding those into the interview plan, but also Teams are interviewing four other people at the same time. And I don't know if Meg and Doug, you guys have a coordinator, but all of our recruiters actually schedule of that. So, you know, we're looking at everyone's schedules. Someone's out that day. Someone's going on FTO. Someone's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. So we have to schedule around it, which a lot of the times makes the interview process longer just within time. But I don't think more than two people on an interview panel, I don't think we should have anything longer than an hour and a half in a one standing day interview plan. But I think a lot of people don't know once it gets to the end of the interview process and you actually have to formally offer for us personally, there's a lot more people still involved. I have to get approval from finance, from compensation. Our CEO actually reviews all of our offers and approves them. He's very Even, even early hires? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. and it's a good thing. He, he moves fast though. I, he is probably one of the best leaders that I've worked with. So nothing against that, but it's more so just, it, it's, I can't verbally offer it until I have everything in front of me, whether I'm excited to tell them or not. I kind of give like, hey, good news are coming. Just hang tight. But a lot of the times we can't, I can't handle, you know, how fast someone approves an offer or if they're on vacation for two weeks and there's no one to kind of help with that. So I think it's really up for us as recruiters to make sure that we're continuously communicating with candidates. I'm huge on that. It sounds like Doug and Meg are very much the same in that respect, which is awesome because even if I don't have news, I'm going to give you an update. Hey, I don't have anything right now. Give me until Tuesday and continuously kind of moving them forward. So they know things are coming because coming back to my first point where this might be their dream job, they're super stoked. I want to make sure that they're going to get good news. And if not, that they feel like they were, you know, really supported throughout the entire process because we're going to be advocates for them if they're the backup or maybe like Doug said, if there's another role that makes sense down the line. So. I don't know overall why they're long, but for us, there are some other things that people don't know about. So I think there okay. is some well, stigma around it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you see all these like anti-work and work reform on Reddit. You know, everybody's yeah. talking about like, why is I need, why is it taking me eight months to get a job, you know, at some entry level cashier job at a, at a grocery store, you know? So if anybody wonders, there's why there's, there's, there's a bunch of people that, that might have to be signing off on it. I always think it's interesting. Like I, I, you know, at my role, I have budgets. Like, so I have a budget that I set for staff, 
I said it every year, you know, for, for hardware, for all the little things, you know, so if someone leaves and I need to recruit, like I have this budget, you know, approved. And as long as I'm within my budget, like I don't have to have like everybody sign off all the way at the top, you know, because I, I just feel like it's just so many layers to have to go up. Like, right. I, I did. I just did. Um, I just gave two raises to two of my staff and um, that did have to go all the way to the top. And I was like, dang, I'm like, we have a lot of employees at this company and he's got to go through all of these and approve all of these. You know, when I, I had already CFO sign up, like my, my boss works directly for the CFO. So like I'm in, in the conversation a lot with those people directly. So I usually be like, Hey, you care if I give him an extra buck? Sure. Go for it. You know, here's, here's the email reply and then off it goes. I feel like that's good enough, but you know, somebody else got to sign off on it too, but you know. Yeah. I was going to say too, Jordan, you mentioned it earlier, as far as you want to get someone in the seat. Though I do believe that, I think it's so much more important that we find the right person for the role. Rather the right, the right the person in the seat? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, it costs a lot of money for a mishire. It costs a ton. I'm not even going to give you the data on that. But for us to try and move quicker just to fill a seat when we could have waited maybe another two weeks to make sure we found someone who was not only perfect for the role, but also this was what they wanted to do. Because we're advocating for the brand, but we're also advocating for the candidate. I want to make sure I'm putting them in the right spot. So a lot of the times, that's how I think of it, too. But other other brands don't work like that, so they're just filling seats to fill them. But you guys sound like you're also advocate for the uh, for the candidate. Like I like it. I picked the right people to be on here. You know, I was hoping we we're gonna have like one dissenting opinion that's like, no, get him as cheap as humanly possible. Well, I picked the right people. You know, it's just what happens. I pick good people that have good intentions, and I don't get you know the contrasting opinion. That's okay. Because I would prefer to run into you guys any day of the week than have somebody that's probably going to cheap out on this. Let's talk about the the three trends that you guys are seeing. So I'm going to give each one of you guys, like, what's the number one trend in your recruiting world that you're seeing um, that's annoying you or is a good thing or just something that you're seeing. Just talk about it for a minute just to wrap this up. And then we'll let you guys go on with your day and, and call some more people and tell them good news. <laughs> so, uh, Doug, we'll start with you on that. All right, three trends. Um, number one, wage transparency. Uh, I am seeing more people share their salaries with each other so others can understand what's in the market and what they can expect. I like that. I think that, um, I think that in decades and years prior, everybody thought everybody else made way more money than they did, and they don't, or made way less than they did when in fact, no, you're really very average, right? So all of that is, I think that's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave that as, as, as the good thing. The bad thing that I'm seeing, I don't know if this is in recruiting, I don't know what this is, but this is on LinkedIn. I hate, 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 hate the posts on LinkedIn where it's like, I woke up this morning, paragraph. Then I walked and got my coffee, paragraph. Love yourself, love yourself the most and make sure that your job loves you, paragraph. Those posts are plentiful and everywhere. And I look at people's profiles and I avoid those people like the plague. If they were looking for one of my jobs, if you are applying to any of my jobs, make sure those are completely wiped from your profile because those are very annoying. Um, anyway. Don't yeah. Facebook my LinkedIn. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. That's not even on Facebook. I don't know what that is. It is a pure It's this LinkedIn positivity culture. thing. It's so weird. It's so weird. Nobody talks like that. Nobody writes like that except on LinkedIn. And it's not my favorite. Full stop. It's, it's so funny because it's like, 
and they have so many likes and they get so much interaction and I don't understand it. (laughs) I get so mad because like I started when I first started this podcast and I was putting the little things out, it was like short to the point. Here's, here's the link. Here's how to find it. Here's what the topic is off. I would get three, 4,000 things. As soon as I started writing a book and throwing stupid emojis on everything, like six, eight, 10,000 people on each post. I'm like, why? Like this is, and I'm, I'm always like so angry about writing these things. I'm like, this is just like not who I am. It's not who I am, but it's the thing that stops people from scrolling. And I just started adding like a little thumbnail of like a, a trailer. So it's like when you're scrolling, it'll start playing like the, cause it's, it's all audio. So it's just like a static photo of everybody and it's the audio, but like it tripled my interaction on my post just by doing that one thing. Yeah, listen, and I'm like, now that's fine. Right. If you're, if you're promoting your, your, your thing and, and you see a video, like I kind of like the videos myself, but like, I'm just talking about, I don't know, like the self-help everyone, everyone in the world is self-help guru. You get one job, all of a sudden you are now the, the job whisperer. On. Meanwhile, they have their green, their green circle open to work, but literally it's... still there. Right. <laughs> so it's just the, I guess it's the, the self, uh, I don't know, gratification and, and, and putting themselves on a pedestal. That's the thing that I dislike about LinkedIn that is prevalent. Meg, what about you? Um, trends that I've seen is that, um, there's like a war, right. Between, uh, should you have that green light open to work on and should you not? And like, for me, for, I, I'm an agency recruiter. Okay. Like I talk to hundreds of people every week if you want to turn that on that will help me so please turn yeah. it on you know where like, to stop scrolling no you know when you're shade. going down <laughs> yes exactly like please don't throw shade to folks that are trying to elevate themselves to get in my purview you know like yeah that's annoying audrey what do you got okay i have three i'll give the first two the good one uh, one of them, I think after the great resignation, a lot more people became active on LinkedIn. I think people who have never touched it, never looked at it. And there's so much more out there now that maybe we weren't able to find before because they were at these companies for so long, which I've really enjoyed. Uh, another one that I really liked is, and I don't know if this pertains to everyone, but there was a long time where people used this one resume template that you would Google and it was the first one and they always used it. And it has this blue border and I could not stand it. I've been seeing that less and less. A lot more people are using and whoever's listening, please use the one that Harvard created. That one is so easy to look at. It's great for the eyes for a recruiter. Um, I've been seeing that a lot more, but there's this one and I'm guilty. I used it when I was 16, so I can't even talk. But um, I've been seeing less of it, which has been really exciting. So I'm going to call that a trend. And then my last one I'll say is kind of off of what Doug was saying. It's the influencers of recruitment and I see them on TikTok and it drives me insane. And I I know they mean well, it's because they want to help people. It's just, they're in the same space that we're in, but some of the information is just so vastly not correct, or it's just very particular to their own space. And it just kind of makes the rest of us look like, you know, we're only in it to save money and it's not for the people. And I hate that. Um, because, you know, like we talked about, we're all very much for the people. That's what our job is. But the TikTok influencers are driving me insane. And that's where a lot of our people are, too. So a lot of our yeah. store candidates are entry-level roles. I'm like, please stop listening to them. I still <laughs> don't TikTok. 
I still I still refuse. I'm holding out. I'm holding out. What are you on real? Are you on Instagram reels? You know I'm on Instagram. You see all oh, my hi. shit. But are you on reels? You're watching videos. <laughs> oh, I don't push no reels, but you but you know what I did last night? I made a I made a, a account for the, the podcast and it's gonna start pushing reels automatically. So you know, you're gonna start dealing with that. But uh yeah, you know. Um, all right, guys. Well, we are at time, and I want to thank you so much for jumping on this sight unseen, never having met me before, except for you, Audrey. Uh, and doing a great, a great episode. Like, thank you so much for your time. I know you guys um, have a lot of candidates that you got to get to, roles you got to fill. So, thank you so much for giving me an hour and a half of your time. I really, really, really appreciate it. I will put links to all of you guys in in the description of this to your LinkedIn, to your companies. So, if anybody is listening to this, likes what they're hearing and wants to go see if there's any open roles at these companies, like, please like feel free to visit them, check them out, add them, you know, all the, all the fun things. So thank you guys again. I really, really, really appreciate it. 